There are many ways people listen to Vision, including in cars through the Vision app. The Vision app is compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So if you have mobile coverage, you can stream any of Vision's live radio channels in crystal clear quality and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts all on the go. There are other ways to connect your phone to your vehicle speakers too. You can see detailed instructions when you Google ways to listen to Vision. However and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Question. How much of your brain time do you spend worrying about things that are outside of your control? Really? You might actually be shocked at the answer to that question and then to compare it with what the Bible has to say about God's blessings in your life. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the third message in this four-part series, Jesus Speaks, Jesus Heals. And please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about the powerful prayer that could be coming your way to help you through whatever you happen to be dealing with in your life just at the moment. things that we're all keen on these days is transformation, becoming a better person, ditching some of the baggage we've been carrying around, lightening the load and living a better life. Is there anyone who doesn't want that in their lives today? But if you're anything like me, you've tried all the self-help programs and they work for a while, but then you slip right back into the same old, same old and nothing ever changes for real. Does that sound familiar? Well, in a sense, that's what this series, Jesus Speaks, Jesus Heals, is all about. Because when Jesus speaks, powerful healing comes into our lives. I can honestly say that the most powerful changes that have occurred in my life over the last couple of decades walking with the Lord have come when I've heard His Word, taken it into my heart, and allowed the Holy Spirit to do His thing in me. That And only that is what brings lasting change. And so today we're going to continue taking an in-depth look at this purple patch of teaching and healing in chapters 5 to 8 of the Gospel of Matthew in the first book of the New Testament, where Jesus completely blows people away with the power of what he has to say. You may recall over the last couple of weeks we had a look at this scripture, Matthew chapter 7 verses 28 to 29. Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as one of their scribes. That's what happens when you hear Jesus speak. It's a work of power and a work of healing. And today, we're going to see what he has to say about all the worrying that so many people do. We worry about this, we worry about that. It never achieves anything except to make us feel miserable, but still we worry about this stuff, right? Stuff. Stuff that's outside our control. Stuff that we don't quite understand. Stuff that causes hidden fears. Well, let me ask you something. Do you want to be set free from the scourge of all that worry in your life? Would you like complete healing from all that worry? 
because that's what I believe Jesus wants to do for you today. Remember, Jesus speaks, Jesus heals. And I'm believing for some mighty healing in your life today. Well, what did Jesus say about all this worrying that we do? Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? I mean, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you always have to ask yourself, what's the therefore there for? And in this case, Jesus starts his whole bit of teaching about worrying with a therefore. Well, in doing that, he's pointing back to what he has just said about money and wealth, which is this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The thing that we worry about most, not exclusively, but mostly, is money. Somehow we've been programmed, haven't we, to believe that we need more and more of the stuff. And if we don't seem to have enough coming in through the door, then we have to hit that big red panic button that we all have somewhere deep inside. And the reason that we worry so much about this, Jesus is saying here, is that we've started to be influenced more by the reality of wealth, or the lack of it, than the reality of God. We were made to walk in the cool of the morning with God, just as Adam and Eve did. We've been made, you and I, to be with God and to trust Him. But these days, just as our kids through their 24 by 7 connectedness to social media are being more influenced by forces outside the home than by their parents in the home, so you and I are being influenced more by the world than by God. Because many people have made a God out of money and wealth, an act of idolatry that squeezed the one true God out of their lives. And with this bit of teaching here, Jesus is trying to refocus us back on what's important. If you worship quicksand, of course you're going to panic when it gives way and starts sinking. But but get a grip here on reality. Life is about so much more than what we eat and drink and what we wear. I mean, look at the birds of the air. They don't labour and God feeds them. Aren't you worth so much more than them? And look at the grass of the field, those, those beautiful lilies out there. Not even Solomon, with all his wealth, was as beautiful as them. And yet God loves you so much more. You are worth so much more to him than the grass of the field. We've all been in that place in life where we don't have enough 
Sometimes it's money, other times it's health, other times it's love or nurture, whatever it is. We've all been in that place and we've looked at the reality that we simply don't have enough and so we panic. Some people, many people, are in a constant state of worry. All we ever see is that we don't have enough. And so we churn that around and over and over and over again as though somehow that's going to make things better. Well, get a revelation today. It's not going to make anything better. Who, by worrying, can add a single hour to the span of their life? So come on, what's Jesus' answer? What are the words of healing that he has to bring into your life today, here and now? Here they are. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, refocus. Get your eyes off the things that you're worrying about and focus them back on God. Go hard after the lordship and the reign of God in your life. Focus completely back on him and living your life for him. Get your priorities back in order. Remember God, the God with the power to create the whole universe, the same God who gave us all of creation, the same God who loves you so much more than the birds of the air or the grass of the field, both of whom he provides for abundantly. Remember that God? Get your eyes back on him. Worship him. Love him. Serve him. Live your whole life for him. Not the shallow stuff of this world. Not the trinkets that will pass away. Not all that rubbish that somehow we've come to worship. No. Focus on God. And you know what's going to happen when you take Jesus' advice? When you accept his words into your heart and start acting on them? I tell you, because I know. The worry just disappears. When you experience the love of Jesus in your heart, there's no room for worry. It just doesn't make sense anymore. And right there in that place is the healing that you've always been looking for. I'll put something out there and see what you think. I believe that many people who in their heart of hearts believe in Jesus have a distorted view of God. A completely distorted view of God. A bit radical, I know, but hear me out. Either we think that God is some sugar daddy who's meant to come along and give us whatever our spoiled little hearts desire, or we believe that God might be a God who blesses other people, but me? I mean, look at my life. No, God's not in the business of blessing me. No way. Now, you see a lot of that sugar daddy model of God out there. I was at a church service once, and a well-known TV preacher from America was visiting. The preacher at the end of the service told everyone to get out their purses or their wallets. Now, I was just a new Christian at the time, so I did it, although I was feeling a bit uncomfortable. Then he told us to lift our purse or our wallet above our heads and close our eyes. Well, at this point I'm going, no, no way. What's going on here? But everyone else in the auditorium did just that, about 1,500 people. Then the guy at the front prays that each one of us would become a millionaire. Now these days, if you own even an apartment or a house around where I live, you're pretty much a millionaire. But back then, that was an enormous amount of money. And people are shouting, Amen and Hallelujah! And I'm standing there, just, just a new Christian, mind you, not, not really sure, but with this sense of outrage welling up inside me. I, I wanted to shout out, no! Jesus died even without the clothes on his back. Are you people for real? 
and now, a couple of decades on, that's still the sort of stuff you see peddled again and again in the name of God. I asked one of my lecturers at Bible College about this a few weeks later, and he smiled and said maybe it would have been more biblical to pray for the person next to you to become a millionaire. He was joking. It's sad, and please, if you see that sort of stuff being peddled in your church, reject it. God is not a sugar daddy who showers us with all sorts of gifts that we desire. But then again, there are people who believe that God is never going to bless them. I had an email from a young man in the UK recently, and he was asking me why it is that nothing good ever seemed to happen in his life. I mean, I dream, he said, I plan, I work hard, but I never achieve my goals. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Why is this happening to me? Can I tell you, there are plenty of people in that boat too. And whether you're torn to one extreme or the other, can I tell you, a lot of people really don't know the father heart of God. They're being led astray and they need to find healing, deep healing inside, which only comes when we know the true nature of God. As I've said many times over the course of this series, there is no better place to find that healing than in the words of Jesus. Have a listen to this. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Search, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you, if your child asks for bread, will give them a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will you give them a snake? Well, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask them? So according to Jesus, is God a good God who wants to bless you? Yes, he is. Of course, this passage has been used over and over again by proponents of the so-called prosperity gospel who will tell you that, yes, if you want it, God will give you a BMW 7 Series, two of them if you want them, and a big house and all the riches you want, if only you will support their ministry. But the bit that they're missing in this powerful piece of teaching from Jesus himself is that the only sorts of gifts that a good God gives to his children are good gifts. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Did you get that? Good gifts, good things, things that are good for you. The powerful reinforcement of that is the parallel that Jesus draws here with human parents. I had great parents growing up. My dad was a great dad. He he worked so hard for me, having emigrated to Australia after World War II, having fought in the German army on the Russian front, having experienced starvation and deprivation and, and three years in a POW camp. My dad wanted the best for my sister and me, and he worked so hard to get it. He wanted the best education for us. He worked long hours to pay for that, as did my mother, I might add. But he was no pushover. He was no sugar daddy. He he didn't shower me with gifts and pamper me and tell me that I was the centre of the universe the way some parents do these days. He didn't gloss over my rebellions, pat me on the head and say, that's okay, Bernie, I love you. You can behave how you want. No, I remember being disciplined by my father. I remember the odd belting. I remember being driven hard. I remember being taught how to serve others. It was my chore each evening after school, not just to polish my own shoes, but my father's shoes too. I had to help with the dishes, and when I was old enough, mow the lawn. 
He allowed me to bear the consequences of my own mistakes, something that parents these days seem to want to rob their children of in their desire to pamper them. My father only gave me good gifts. Some of those gifts were real blessings to me at the time. Others, like the discipline the training, I hated. They only turned out to be good gifts in my eyes as I look back on them years later. Was he a perfect father? No. And that's the point that Jesus makes. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? When it comes to knowing the heart of God, whether it's to bless you or not, and what that blessing looks like, the power of Jesus' healing words here come from the comparison to good parenting. And God is the ultimate Father, the perfect Father, the Dad who knows how to bless you with truly good things, things that will make you healthy and strong, humble and loving, things that will make you look and sound more and more like Jesus. Let me come back to the question I asked you earlier. How well do you know God? What do you believe about what he wants for your life? Is he a God of blessing or not? Well, here, through his powerful words, Jesus is bringing some healing to somebody's heart today. Yes, he is a good God. He's the best dad that there's ever been or ever will be. And when the evidence appears to contradict that fact, then remember what a good dad is meant to be and what he's meant to do. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 to 11. Moreover, we had human parents to discipline us, and we respected them. Should we not even more be willing to be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good in order that we may share his holiness. Now, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. No, not everything that God dishes up seems like a blessing, and not all of it feels all that good at the time. But with the benefit of hindsight, if we've allowed ourselves to be trained through those times, when we're dining out on the peaceful fruit of righteousness, Christ-likeness, oh yeah, God is a good God who gives us all good things. So seek, ask, knock, and all good things will be given to you. I was chatting with a friend of mine on the phone the other day. He's a farmer who lives a hard life. He was out on his farm early the other morning and he had a fall that knocked him out. Out on his own, he came to, his shoulder and arm were dislocated. He was in a lot of pain. He's not a young man. And he thought this could be the end of him. You know what he said to me about that incident? He said, I was in serious trouble. But seriously, I wasn't troubled. That rocked me. How powerful is that? Does this guy have an easy life? No. But there's a powerful force working within him when even in the most dire of circumstances, even at the point where he thought this might be it, he was at peace. He was in serious trouble, but he wasn't troubled, seriously. Here is a man who truly knows God. Here is a man who understands the good things that God is doing in his life. There haven't been any flashy miracles of healing in this man's life. Sure, flashy miracles, the sort that Jesus performed, they're awesome, right? But the miracle of the Holy Spirit working away in him as he labours long hours in all sorts of weather on that farm, the miracle of the Holy Spirit transforming his life, bringing him peace, bringing him courage when he needs it, that is just awesome. Give me that sort of miracle any time. The miracle 
of a transformed life. The miracle of deep healing within. The miracle of discovering real life on that difficult road. The healing that comes when we're finally set free from the shackles that this world would bind us with. Jesus speaks. Jesus heals. That's the name of this series of messages, and it's so apt, so appropriate, because when Jesus speaks, healing flows. Life-transforming power flows. Have you heard Jesus speaking today? Then may his healing flow abundantly into your heart. May you have the abundant life that he came to give you. May the foundations of your life be built on solid ground rather than sinking sand. See, if I'm honest with myself, I think that only some of my foundations at this point in my life are on solid ground and others are still built on sand. I think there are a lot more on solid ground today than there were maybe even five years ago. But the renovation of my life is an ongoing work in progress. Just the other day, I was reading God's word early in the morning and he confronted me about an attitude I was harboring towards someone. I mean, really confronted me. Because that's what's needed when we're deluding ourselves. And we do delude ourselves, don't we? We'll talk a lot more about that next week. But for now, the Bible has another word for self-delusion. God's word calls it a stronghold. Have a listen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, according to God's word here, a stronghold is an attitude in our heart, an argument, a proud obstacle that we raise up against God. And it requires divine power to destroy that. And remember, here, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. So strongholds are, in fact, arguments and proud obstacles in the hearts of believers, God's people. My definition of a stronghold is that it's something you hold on to real strong. And while you're holding on to that, you can't let go to take hold of the blessings of God. What's required to destroy those strongholds in your heart? Human weapons? No. Nothing I say can destroy the strongholds in your heart. What's required is divine power. And that power comes from the word of Christ that you have heard today. Will you take every thought captive to obey Christ? Will you be set free by Jesus today? Will you? Because when Jesus speaks, Jesus hears. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.